Hi, my name is... Hi, everybody. We're going to start. Hi, my name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Hi. Hi. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any authorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may purchase outside in the foyer. I will share for 20 minutes, followed by five minutes of Ask It Basket questions, finishing up with the open sharing. And the topic for this session is let go or be dragged. Um, And it says, let's begin with a reading from For Today, page 124. (laughs) And the timer reads, uh, but I have the thing, does anyone have a For Today? Okay, I'm just going to read this because it's right here. Uh, So I'm Amy and I'm a compulsive reader. Um, Rock bottom is a place where change becomes a dire necessity. Today, my admission of powerlessness is the dire necessity that gives me the strength I need to go on living and functioning as a responsible contributor contributing member of society. And uh, my name is Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, Just so you know, this microphone isn't meant to amplify my voice. Um, It is actually attached to the recording device. So I will be holding it, though it kind of feels weird because it's not like you can hear me any better with it. So um, I, so when it was, uh, I had an opportunity to do service for this convention um, and uh, Nancy sent me like a list of you know, what was available and what was open. I just said, you know, whatever. And then in the end, she came back with me, well, there's these marathon meetings left over and, and we need speakers for them. And she listed three and one of them was let go or be dragged. And honestly, if there was ever a movie done on me, it will be called let go and be, or be dragged. And I had to, I was like, God, even if I don't speak at this meeting, I need to be at this meeting because it's the story of my life. Um, basically, uh, you know, just to qualify, uh, I've been in um, OA for over 30 years. Uh, by the grace of my higher power, I have 30 years of abstinence. Um, I am one of those people who have no idea why I've been abstinent, honestly, um, because I, I'm not. I would not call me myself is like, oh, yes, she, she, I can tell she's such a spiritual person. You know, she's at home and, you know, she probably doesn't yell at drivers when she's in the car. That is not who I am, not even remotely. I really feel like I probably had, well, there's not, there's no probably involved. There's, I've had 30 years of grace for some reason, higher power um, said, hey, hey, you're okay. You, you get to have abstinence. I have some use for you. I need you to do service, so you get, you're going to be abstinent because, honestly, I can't think of a good reason why I am still abstinent today. Um, and uh, especially, why do I say that? It's not because I'm uh, uniquely you know, different from all of you and worse than all of you, but mostly because um, you know, I am definitely not one of those people who had this tight relationship with my higher power for, you know, like, over 24 and a half years or 25 years of being in this program, um, you know, I, over time, because what, what happens over time is, you know, program, it changes, so much changes, yet so much remains the same. And the things for me which remain the same is what works. And what works in this program for me is working the steps, following the traditions, and uh, reading the big book and using that as a guideline for my life. And, um, and so what's happened is, um, I have been somebody who is like never felt particularly tight with God. I don't. Why would God care about my problems whatsoever? Um, and uh, especially like this food thing. Like, who cares? And um, 
And what I found for myself was um, I had to do a lot of acting as if in this program. And, um, and, and my first higher power was like you in the room. Like the meeting room was without a doubt this was higher power because there was an energy and something happens here that I am my best self here. Don't think for one minute I am this person at home. Not for one minute. So I have moments of my own personal glory that I think I'm having at home. And, you know, I have two teenagers who remind me of what I am not exactly doing, you know, in the most spiritual kind of way. Um, and, um, and actually, I'm quite grateful for that. I'm definitely somebody who needs to have a tough love and, uh, and real honesty in my face because I will uh, otherwise try to trample everybody in my path. That's just seems to be who I am. Um, so why, why um, you know, let go or be dragged? Well, honestly, uh, even within this recovery, I have let myself be dragged. In fact, I'm kind of frightened because I feel like if I show you what my back looks like, it would be scraped and bruised and like road rash and all these kinds of things because I have a really hard time letting go. So that's why everybody in here started out as my higher power. And then um, and, and I spoke earlier today about steps one, two, and three, and I was thinking step two was so important because it gave me hope, and it gave me hope just long enough so that I could finally feel like I had faith, faith in a power greater than myself who could uh, not only restore me to sanity, but who I could turn my will and my life over, and that entity or whatever that God is or however that looks, because I don't, I don't really know, um, that I would even trust that that entity, that being, would even give a crap about me enough to want to have me turn everything over. And uh, somebody gave me this great analogy. It really, really helped me. And they were talking about their job. And they were saying, like, they do some things, like, so great at work, like some of their core things they do, and they do it pretty easily. And if they look at some of their colleagues, their colleagues don't have necessarily the same facility that they do with that particular job. And she's like, and I take it for granted. I take it for granted that I can do these things, but for other people, it's hard. But I feel like I've always known how to do these things. And we use that analogy, like, and it really helped me, about my higher power. My higher power actually wants the job, wants the job of carrying me and, like, being in charge of, like, letting me turn everything over. Like, not only does my higher power want that job, my higher power is really good at that job. Like, for my higher power, it's a no-brainer. Oh, Amy, let me take care of that. Like, I can walk in hot lava, and it doesn't burn me. It may burn you, but it doesn't burn me. Let me carry you. Never occurred to me that my higher power actually might want the job of my will, my life, and, and, and that whole, that, that my higher power, I could trust my higher power to be there to catch me and to do this. So I am definitely um, the drag kind of person. So, um, and, and for me, that means, um, you know, first of all, they have, I've seen these shirts, you know, they're, they're, you know, like, you know, everything I have, you know, has, you know, everything I've ever let, let go of has claw marks all over it. And it's a picture of the cat, you know, with the claw marks. And I'm always was like, I don't know, something like 25 years ago, I bought one of those t-shirts because I'm like, okay, you know, that's me. Um, because the truth of the matter is I have always believed that finite self could be in charge and run everything and do a really good job of it. And the first time I really got that I sucked at being in control is when I tried to stop eating compulsively on my own because no matter what I did, and mostly I did, of course, I was so nice to myself, being facetious, of course, flog myself, put myself down, thinking that if the more I yelled at myself, maybe that would make me stop. And none of those things worked. So in the meantime, my back, I'm dragging, right? Because my back is getting all scraped up because I think I can do it alone. I don't know why self-will alone 
and willpower isn't, isn't making it, isn't cutting it for me. And in the meantime, I'm just getting more and more depressed and more and more miserable. Now, when I came into this program, and I was 19 years old, and I really find it hard to believe about the desperation of a 19-year-old, but apparently I was pretty desperate. Because when I came in when I was 19 years old, I had said, I give up. I don't know what I'm giving up. I don't know what this thing is about. But whatever it is, is it, I can't live this way anymore. I will die. I, I'm, I'm going to die with shoving food in my mouth because I cannot stop shoving food in my mouth. That was my first time ever in my whole life I had ever admitted that I was, could be powerless or not in control of something. And when I, I actually, I remember being in college. I remember being in my room. I remember having a towel next to me. I literally took the towel in my hand, threw it up in the air, and I go, I give up. I, I cannot do this anymore. And um, I, I had been led to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I'd actually been to a meeting in November of 1985, thought you were all crazy. Boy, you were so crazy. And that was not me. And then I came crawling back a few months later saying, not only are you me, I am, th- th- this is, I am licked. What are you doing? How come you're not eating compulsively in here? Why are people smiling? Um, how come you have these lives? Because I, I the, the, that's, this is not my life. I, I, I don't have that kind of life. And, um, and so I feel like I'm really one of the fortunate ones because not only did I come in and I was still a teenager, not only did I throw in the towel, um, a desperation. I hope somebody here is desperate. I really do. Desperation is the most beautiful, painful as all hell, the most beautiful place to be in for this recovery. This w- recovery really works when you feel desperate, because when I'm desperate, I am as willing as the dying can be. You're going to throw me a life preserver. I don't care if it's the wrong color. I'm going to take it. You're going to say, do this. I don't like doing that. Who cares? I'm going to do it. So when I came into program, I was fortunate enough in this particular area to feel completely surrendered. So finally, my back with its sores and all that stuff that was happening because I was being dragged, I couldn't let go. I had relief there. And then what followed is another 30 years of holding on to every other thing in my life as tight as I could and not thinking that this could also be handled by my higher power, that I also could surrender it to my higher power. I did not trust my higher power to do anything. So in many ways, I'm like, I, that's why I say I have no idea. I'm in awe of the fact that I can say 30 years to you because really I have no idea why I was graced with those 30 years, especially with my attitude. But I'm an insanely practical person, really pragmatic when it comes to this program. I am only willing to do something if I see that it works for somebody else. I have to have proof first and that if I try it and it works for me, then I will continue to do it. If you told me worshiping this microphone would help me stop eating compulsively, I would have said, okay. And if it worked, you'd only see me carrying a microphone in my hand my whole life because that's how it works for me. But I need to have proof. So for the rest of my life, and we know that the disease we have is spiritual, it's physical, it's emotional. So what was fantastic was admitting this powerlessness did so much from a physical standpoint. It also did a lot for an emotional standpoint because there was a lot of noise in my head. And I don't know if any of you experienced this, but that when I got abstinent and I was abstinent, I'm not even saying for a little while, it was even just a couple of weeks, I noticed that all the noise that was happening between my ears, the noise that said, you're fat, you're no good, why don't you eat that? No, I can't eat that. Well, why don't you try this thing? Why don't you try that thing? Wow, you don't look really good in that. Oh, you look really good in that. This non-stop dialogue, it got quiet. What a relief. What I have found in my life, because this is a spiritual and emotional disease in addition to the physical one, is that even though I had that proof that it worked around food and then later on for me around alcohol, I could not and would not believe it worked for other things in my life. So I have spent many years of my life trying to control people, places, and things 
everybody around me. And let me tell you how excruciatingly painful that has been for me. It has won me no friends, does not endear me to my children or my spouse, um, does not make me popular at work, does none of those things. But there has been a fundamental belief that I've had that if only if I were in charge of it, could it work out the way I needed it to. And so for me, this letting go, um, it, and, and I talk about desperation because I wasn't willing to let go of that part for my life until about five, boy, would I say five years ago? No, I, I feel like I just did it yesterday. So I don't know. I, I don't know the time, but let's just say in the last, I don't know, two years or something, brand new. It's brand new for me. And I'm not saying I do this across the board, but what I'm saying is I realized that I hold on to these other things. And instead of it being funny, like I thought before, oh yeah, I have to control everything. Ha ha. It became so painful that I've had to start going to my higher power and hold out my hands, my open hands. My hands have to be open and say, God, Please do for me what I cannot possibly do for myself. I want to live, on, live my life on a new plane. This is what the big book promises us. It is one in which we live about, um, focused on or um, surrendering to our infinite higher power. This is that next generation with that infinite higher power rather than relying on finite self. When I rely on finite self, I am dragged through the mud and the muck. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care until it becomes so painful that I have lacerations, that I'm bleeding, that the last possible thing I can do is let go. Because I will not let go until it is, feels like it is the only thing left for me or I will die. And unfortunately... That has been my experience in this program and for everything I do in my life. I wish I could, have been, I could be a higher bottom with these things. I wish I didn't have to lose so much of myself before I make a change. But that is not who I am. I mean, I, I'm like, really? How, like, I, I had a conversation um, with a sponsor 18 months ago or so. And she's like, you know, Amy, I feel like I'm watching you dying. It was like I was dying this really spiritual, emotional death. And I said, uh, I feel like I'm dying. And, you know, I'm abstinent. I'm sober, right? I'm, I'm in three programs, right? I'm doing all this stuff. And, um, and um, she starts talking about some of the things I need to do. None of them are earth-shattering, by the way. It's in the 12 steps. It's in the big book. Like nothing, you know, I don't – nothing I tell you is original. It's, it's, it's all borrowed from, from, from Bill and Roseanne. And, um, and then I said, uh, yeah, so the biggest fear I have right now is that I'm not desperate enough today to actually do what you're asking me to do because I don't actually feel very willing and I don't trust my higher power to take care of me. And, um, there was nothing to say. There's no answer to that. It was like, I fundamentally have felt, I know what needs to be done. And yet, I don't know if I'm desperate enough to do it because I don't feel the willingness in me to do the things you suggested. And that frightens me because I've been around long enough to know that this can kill me. This disease can kill me. I don't know how it's going to kill me. Like, I'm not eating compulsively. Maybe it will kill me because I'll start eating compulsively again. Maybe it will kill me because I put myself through so much stress and aggravation and worry in my body in trying to control all of you that I might have a stroke or a heart attack. I don't know how it's going to kill me, but that's how it felt. And I honestly cannot remember when or how or what changed, but there was a change sometime in the last 18 months where I found myself more willing to do what I was asked to do, which were the simple things. They had spiritual tool, the spiritual tools which were laid at my feet. I found, finally found myself willing to bend down and pick up some of those tools and try them slowly. I, this is not a success story. I did some of that. I didn't do some others. I did not do it perfectly. But I can tell you today that the black and dark place that I was in at that time and being completely dragged through the mud, thank you, 
by holding on to so many things that that has lessened. I am not in a dark place, and I can't tell you my hands are fully like this, but I can tell you that at night now, when I'm doing my 10th step, I can actually open up my hands. I close my eyes, open up my two hands, and I have to tell you, for whatever reason, no matter when I do that, it is such a vulnerable feeling. It is so vulnerable, like I always feel it, always feel scary to do, and I do it anyway. So I am extremely grateful to be abstinent, to be here, and to know that I'm not alone. Thank you. I don't know if there's any questions in the ask it basket. Oh, but I'm supposed to um, draw questions from them. And the timer needs to be set, I think, for five minutes, it says. i just reading my directions here. Thank you. All right, what do we got here? Um, Oh, talk about the spiritual tools at your feet. The spiritual tools at my feet are completely outlined. They are, and to me, I'm really, when I came into OA, there was no OA literature, and I do really love the OA literature, but I also grew up with the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. So all of the spiritual tools I'm talking about actually are a result that if, you, if I had no other tools, other tools being literature, sponsorship, service, um, uh, meetings, telephone calls or Skype calls or you know whatever email call, whatever connection you do, writing, um, I, I call uh, prayer and meditation, Those are all spiritual tools. For me, those tools fundamentally support what I'm doing with the 12 Steps, 12 Traditions, and the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the first 164 pages. Anything else that I read or do around it just support um, my ability to connect with my higher power. That's what all of those things are for, for me, connecting with my higher power. So those are what I consider spiritual tools. And it's always outlined. We, we list them practically you know, at, at many meetings, right? They go through. Here are the tools. Here are the traditions. Those are the things to use for me. Okay. How to, I think, to differentiate, uh, oh, let go versus willingness and footwork for recovery. Okay, I'm not 100% sure what that is, but I'll tell you what I'm, what, when I say um, let go, no, I can't start with let go. All right, I'm going to start with um, uh, I'm going to start with footwork. I'll start with footwork because that's that's right here. Um, so footwork for me is um, having a sponsor, um, calling that sponsor, working a steps with that sponsor, um, reading the literature, doing service. It's all of the spiritual tools. So footwork for me is just you're actually using the tools that have been suggested by many people generation after generation uh, in this program, okay? Now, that's footwork. Willingness. Willingness is tricky because uh, willingness I cannot manufacture. Willingness for me is God-given. So there are times, I do two things. I pray to be willing to be willing to be willing. It, you know, depends. I can have lots of willings before the last one. Um, and I do have to pray for that. Um, the other thing I do, it's, you know, I've heard this for years. I use it all the time, acting as if. I may not be willing, but I'm going to act as if I'm willing. I may not believe that doing this step is going to help. I'm going to act as if doing step one is going to make a difference in my day-to-day. Uh, I don't believe that it will work, that I'm, you know, uh, you know, going to a meeting will help me connect with my power. I'm going to act as if it will. And why am I going to act as if? Because if I look around me, I see it's pretty effective for other people. So what makes me so special that it would work for them but not work for me? So I'm going to act as if. So that is footwork and willingness. That's how I deal with that. Um, Letting go. Letting go is, I don't know, letting go is grace. Uh, You know, you do the footwork, you pray for the willingness, and then God willing... (laughs) you let go. I can't make letting go happen. It usually, well, usually it's always a combination of footwork I've done and spiritual work and connecting with my higher power, even if whatever that higher power is. Um, As somebody shared today, a higher power 
uh, of not my understanding, right? I don't know what higher power is. I don't understand. So I like that. Um, and, and then the, the other piece for me is you doing that footwork and then actually asking for help. Please, God, help me be willing to let go of this. Taking the actions of opening my hand. Let me act as if I am letting go of this. Please take this from me. I, there's a part of me that, that I have to be, um, I guess, uh, uh, I can't remember the word. It's not, it's not, it's not diligent. It's um, intention. I have to have the intention to do that. And then, and then God meets me. Then God takes me the rest of the way. All right. What's next? Um, so somebody said, congrats on 30 years. Thank you so much. Have you never relapsed? That is correct. I have never relapsed. Has my food been perfect? Let's talk about that. One of the things about this program that has taught me is, so when I got off any diet before I got into this program, I would beat the crap out of myself, whether I broke a diet because I had an extra chickpea or I broke a diet because I had a bag of Doritos. I treated those as equal um, uh, X's, red marks on my score. I was no longer A+. plus. I was a big old F. Thank you. Um, and so bottom line with that is, have I had meals where the plate and I eat too much food on my plate? <gasps> yes. The difference is I don't beat the crap out of myself. I love myself through it. And if it happens to happen on a Wednesday at 1230 at lunch, instead of waiting till July 1st or Sunday or January 1st or Monday morning or that trip to Hawaii to turn around my day, I ask God for help and I talk about it with somebody else. And then, oh my God, I have a chance to have an abstinent dinner too. And that is how I treat it. My weight has been really the same for years. I don't weigh myself. I give a lot of power to the scale. What I, what I do is it's based on my clothes. And I can tell you, I can go to my closet now and when seasons change, not be frightened when I put on those jeans that maybe this time they're not going to fit me. And I'm going to have to go to the other end of the closet because that's where my big sizes are. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, people want to know how much, um, uh, how much weight did I lose? So um, I'm a size, I would say I'm like a size 10 now, and I was like a size 16. I was probably nearly 170 pounds. I'd stop weighing myself after 168 pounds. Um, how many years of OA did it take to really get it? Um, I don't know. I don't think I still have it. So it's a day-at-a-time program. Um, I don't measure it really in years because it's like everyone says, uh, you know, how early did you wake up in this morning? The person who woke up the earliest is the longest abstinence for today. Um, that's how I see it. Um, and, and this one is long. Do you want me to, according to the instructions, I'm, it's open sharing right now. There's one more question. Would you? Okay, I will just ask it. Okay. Um, all right, so this is for the, uh, says, how have relationships, mostly family, fit into this theme? Um, okay, so I'll just start with that. Um, so for me, so my kids have never seen me binging, um, well, you know, into the food because they, they were born, uh, you know, I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, so they were born later. Um, my kids think I always eat healthy. That's what their perception. I always have to tell this story because I went to a lot of meetings and I brought my kids and one day my son, my younger son pretended he picked up a telephone, put it to his ear and he says, okay. And I'm going to make up my sponsor's name to protect her anonymity. Okay, Jane, today I'm going to have watermelon and cantaloupe. And he's like, Mom, that's what you always do. Like, I'm turning over my food. So he heard me turning over food. So um, that has been, uh, you know, uh, like, I don't know how, um, uh, uh, you know, okay, how do they fit into the theme is that um, the thing about the control is I, uh, even though I'm their mom, I need to stay out of my kid's business. Like, they know what it takes um, to study for a test. They both have those skills, whether they choose to use them or not is up to them and not to me. And sometimes I have to leave the house and go to a meeting because they're not studying in a way that I think will make them successful for that test the next day. And I have to say to myself, oh my God, it's so none of my business. And then when I start getting in their business, because of course I get into their business, I'm their mom. Um, when I start, then I'm like, 
Sometimes I have to just slap my hand over my mouth, or sometimes I just say it anyway, and other times I have to go back and make amends. So there's one thing about this program, right? The way we can make amends is either apologizing, that's one thing when we really hurt somebody, and the other, the thing I think is completely grace is changing our behavior. So I had actually apologized a little too much to my son one time, and he said, hey, mom, my 15-year-old, kind of looked at his watch. He go, in about an hour and a half, you're going to come back to me and apologize for this like you usually do. Let's just skip the whole thing, and let me just tell you I forgive you right now. I was just like, I'm screwed. I, 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 I'm, it's in my face. They, I don't get away with anything. I do not get away with anything. And part of that is about being dragged and the, working this program they don't get away with anything. I don't get away with anything. Um, let me just finish. So as a single mother, I must be in charge. And although my sons are in their 50s, I feel I still must be responsible. Um, so I, I just have to say, how do we, you know, how do we sort these feelings and responsibilities? So 12 steps and 12 traditions. I don't know how you do it. And thank God there's other 12-step programs that help me do that because I cannot do that alone. It is divine intervention. I do not know how to set uh, 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 great boundaries. So I go places where I can help to learn where I can set great boundaries. Um, and, um, and, you know, and I know for me that anytime I make it about anybody else, it is distraction for me. It is a, it is a smoke screen. And I am not looking at myself if I'm looking at you. People always say, see, when you point one finger forward, you're pointing three back. I'm like, crap. It's true. It, is, it really is about me. Um, it's not about me, and it is about me. But I have to take care of my own stuff, and the way I do that is um, uh, by working the steps. Okay, those are the, all the questions. So um, now is the time for open sharing. Please come to the podium if you would like to share. You are going to need to sign this recording release form. Please stick to the topic. Uh, the timer will remind you to stop at three minutes. And uh, if you also come up here, you just kind of need to hold this thing. <laughs> so does anyone like to come up and share? So... I fill vacuums. Usually yeah. the first person is the longest one to come up. I'm Carol, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I really like the idea of acting as if, because I kind of, I've heard willingness is a trap. You can wait forever to be willing to do something and not do it because you're waiting to be willing to do it. Act as if. And I'm not sure how that all blends in together. I had a friend in program used to, I'm not willing, I'm not willing. I wanted to get her one of those rocks that says willingness on it. So I'd say, okay, sweetie, you got willingness now. (laughs) (laughs) I never could find one. I have one that says abundance, but I never could find one that says willingness. I have a God can. I was telling somebody earlier, I have a gravy boat for a God can. It's my mother's china, and what are you going to use a gravy boat for? But a God can. And when I put something in the God can, I say the third step prayer and I change it. God, I offer this stuff to, to thee to build with it and to do with it as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of this stuff that I may better do your will. Take away my vic- difficulties over this stuff that victory over it may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. Um, anyway, that's all I had to say and thank you. We certainly have plenty of time for shares. I'll share. I feel like I've shared the whole day. But I, I feel like I'm in a growth spurt in recovery. My name is Amy. 
And I definitely, uh, Amy, compulsive eater, I've lost 110 pounds and kept it off through this program. And um, I, and I feel like there, I'm, I'm grateful to be having a lot of growth right now and a lot of uh, stuff coming up. And, and um, in terms of this topic, thank you. Um, uh, this is what I can say to this is I, um, I'm working now for five and a half years on this humongous hole that I tried to eat and stuff. And it's, I'm virtually just a hole, you know, uh, and, and that's it. I'm not, a, I'm a shell of a person. Um, I got nothing and, or I can compulsively eat, but, but, um, so I, I have to now, I'm not compulsively eating, so I have got to work on this hole. And so every day I call my food into my sponsor. I do my question. I read it. I have sponsees. And I keep working this program. And what I always, um, what I always keep as faith, because I do not change easily at all. And I am definitely in charge of everything and make a huge mockery of everything. I grew up kind of in a family where my, there was a lot of rage and real, a lot of scary, real scary behavior. And, um, so I'm always in fight or flight. And, um, and so if, if the people in my family aren't creating chaos, then I am because it doesn't feel good any other way. And so what, because I don't seem to want to change unless it gets super duper bad. Um, I keep in mind that when I came into this food program, I had been off sugar, let's say five years, six years of any kind. And when I came in, I was eating at least 13 or more pieces of fruit a day. And so I was waking up in the morning and, and taking fruit into the shower. Like I wasn't even making it, you know, and because I didn't want my kids to see me eat. And so they would come in, I'd put the pits in the shower. You know, I mean, it was bizarre behavior, right? And um, saving all my points until nighttime, until they went to bed. So I was putting my kids to bed at 6.45 every night for years, and they were big kids. Um, and someone just said to me earlier, why 6.45? And I said, because I couldn't take another minute. And that was it. That was this, I couldn't do anything past then. And I would actually say to them, like, I'm done now. And it was like, wow, 6.30, you're done. And so I just, when when it doesn't seem like anything's changing and... I'm working this program so hard. I remember that I came in and my compulsion to compulsively overeat was lifted. And, and so I have hope because, because if that was lifted and I was 263 and counting, there's no way I wouldn't have been in the 300 pounds by now. Then I know this other stuff will be lifted if I work my program. And I don't even remember to ask my higher power to remove my character defects. I can't even tell you I, I remember to do that. But I do what's asked of me every day. I commit my food. I weigh and measure my food. I don't eat no matter what. And, and I write my question every day. And within the last year, there has been major recovery with my children. I still, I still am a yeller. I'm still not the parent I would want to be. But it has changed. Um, and my sponsor said to me, you are trying to stop a moving train because m- my childhood was rough and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And that was very helpful because I'm trying to do something very big here uh, by not doing what was done to me. And not because they weren't uh, sweethearts. My parents were wonderful if they would have been in recovery, Right. Um, and so anyways, I'm just extremely grateful to have this wisdom and to have you guys that are walking this path with me and, and, um, telling me you're not perfect and that we can do this regardless. So anyways, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
My name's Pam. I'm a food addict, compulsive eater. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if some of you guys are like, wow, she's still talking. <laughs> when is she ever going to stop? But I love this, let go or be dragged. I mean, the first time I ever saw that, I could totally relate to that. I feel like eating just dragged the life right out of me through, like, most of my adult life. Just dragged, like, right through it. Um it was hard. It was a hard life. But letting go was no easy task either. Um, however, once I did, and it was a process, you know, first it was this, then it was that, then it was something else. And each time, and I shared this already, I know, uh, earlier, but each time it was like, no, no, I won't let go of this. I can't, I can't. And then when I finally did, it was like, oh, this is better without it. How did I not know that, you know? And it was just like right down the line. And then it was, you know, alcohol, it was sugar, it was flour, it was caffeine, it was sweeteners. And each time, no, no, I won't let go of it. <laughs> I can't. Even knowing full well other times when I'd done that, it ended up so much better than I ever imagined it would be. So it's very difficult for me to let go, even with the promise of things maybe, maybe being better, you know, if, if I do that. But um, so I have a lot of, of things that I don't do anymore because they're not safe for me. They interfere with my serenity. They interfere with my health. They interfere with my well-being. And I've let them go. And I'm happier without them. I mean, I found it like, like what true happiness is. Like living the way that I believe God wants me to live. Instead of looking for pleasure and, and, and mistaking that for, for happiness. Um, now I have something that's more substantial now that I, now I have something with more potential and that's what I want I want that more than ever than anything I mean my husband says that I'm uh, militant about my food you know the way that I eat oh she's militant not in a he doesn't mean that in a derogatory way he thinks it's amazing you know um that I can do that, especially knowing he's known me for 34 years, knowing where I came from. Um, somebody who couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop eating to save my life, you know. Um, and it's not because I'm, wanna, I'm some kind of a fanatic or because I want to be a stickler, you know. It isn't anything like that at all. It's, it's quite the opposite. I do these things because out of experience, I do them every day, and I do them without fail, the, the, the nine tools and the 12 steps. I do them because it relieves me of the, the obsession and compulsion. Um, I don't have to eat compulsively and addictively anymore as long as I'm doing these things. It's beyond like a miracle, for me, it's such a relief, and it's such a much better way of living. It's a much better way of, of life for me. So, um, yeah, letting go is hard, but being dragged is harder. When I look back on it, you know, I think, wow, I can't believe I did that. You know, I can't believe that I wouldn't let go of these things sooner but, you know, like they say, it takes what it takes. I'm just glad that I'm still not being dragged. <laughs> and I've learned a thing or two about about letting go. I know I have a lot more to learn. Um, but uh, at, at least, you know, I have the program to help me with that, a better understanding of, of what I need to do 
in order to let those things happen. So thanks for letting me share again. Hi, I'm Faith Compulsive Overeater. I first went to OA in 2012, and three months later I got pregnant. And my, my, my pregnancy was abstinent. I had imperfect food, but it was the best I had eaten in my adult life. The best I had eaten for the longest period of time in my adult life. Um, and then after my son was born... I should start this by saying, I feel like I'm being dragged back to OA right now. Um, after my son was born, my sponsor at the time <laughs> had just had her first child and really gave me grace to, to not, it felt like grace at the time, to give my, to, to spend time with my newborn and not continue my daily calls, to not plan my food the same way. And breastfeeding, I'm still breastfeeding, has been an excuse for me to not stick to three meals a day, to not follow a, stick to a food plan. Um, And... When my son was 18 months, so I, in that pregnancy time period, I also moved. So I continued with my sponsor, but she also moved, and so I lost that sponsor. And so I, I kind of was in and out of sponsor relationships and didn't have new meetings. I didn't have meetings in the regular, in the new city, and with the pregnancy, and I wasn't after, well, after the pregnancy, I wasn't going to meetings until he was... Oh, almost a year. And even then, it wasn't regular, and I was just in and out of meetings. So ever since, like, for the past three years, I've been to, like, a meeting every six months. Like, I'll, I'll feel desperate, go to a meeting. I might get a sponsor at that meeting. And then after a few phone calls with a sponsor, I'd be like, too controlling, not going to work for me. And I and we just fade away. And I just now I'm 20 pounds heavier than I was at my my full pregnancy weight. So I was 180 at nine months pregnant, and I was you know that nine months of pregnancy was a I gained what my midwife wanted me to gain healthy, and it was it was good. And now I'm at almost 200 pounds, and I just. It's, I've been on the roller coaster ever since, I don't know, I'm on it now, and I don't know how to get off, and so I'm here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm here, so I'm <laughs> trying to let go, I'm asking for the willingness. I'm final, but the first thing my sponsor, my very first sponsor every, ever told me, she said, every day, pray to God, give me the willingness. I'm finally praying that again. And so I'm finally feeling, I finally have a little bit of willingness to be here. And I, even being, I feel like I had to drag myself to the convention because I finally went to a meeting here, moved to San Jose in April, and um, went to a meeting for the first time last week and saw the flyer for the convention and thought, okay. It's 10 minutes from my apartment. <laughs> I'm going to ask somebody for a ride. So I am like, that's how I got myself here yesterday. And I gave myself the out. I was like, okay, I'm going to go Friday for those six hours that my ride is going to be there. And then if I don't like it, I don't have to go back. But I'm back today, and I'm so glad. I'm so grateful. And I just, I need you. Thank you, and thanks.
So thank you all for sharing and participating. It is now time to close this session. Please stand and join hands as we close with, I put my hand in yours.